I'm actually fascinated with Instagram stories. I think that there's a lot of potential. Like every every week, my or every other week, my team and I have an innovation meeting to kind of talk about new updates. And it always seems like stories are the one thing that always keep having new little capabilities on them. Hey everybody, welcome back. My name is Pete Preston and this is the Deer Video Podcast. Today I'm joined by Peyton Van Voors of the Timmerman Group in St. Louis. Peyton is a video production specialist and a social media specialist. And here's what you're going to take away from this conversation today. Peyton is really focused on the strategy behind the video, behind the social media, what you want to get out of the content that you're producing. And she has some insightful things to say about how you go about using different platforms and then on the different platforms, how you go about using the different tools. So for example, what you just heard was about Instagram stories. She's got a very good way of thinking about how you use those in conjunction with your typical feed. So stay tuned if you've got a business and you want to learn how to use your socials and your media better, Peyton's got some great answers for you. Let's get into it. Peyton, thank you for joining me today. I appreciate you being here. No problem. Thank you for having me. Before we started the recording here, we were just having a quick chat about where you are and what's happening in your world during the pandemic and everything. Can you just give us a rundown of, of where you're at and what life is like for you at the moment? Yeah. So right now I live in St. Louis, Missouri. So different areas of the states are kind of affected differently right now, Midwest being not so bad. But right now, St. Louis is still in like a partial lockdown. I believe they're in stage mm. three or stage four. So it's a little bit different of a world, especially for personal life as well as production life. Yeah. But we've been like this since March. So a lot of pivoting has kind of happened. And now there is a bit of a new normal in both personal life and professional life. Yeah. But yeah, I work full-time at an agency and I've been really grateful that they have been able to actually keep everyone on. I am the one and only person that does production for them. And with production being in kind of a lull right now, I was a little bit worried about that, but we have definitely pivoted and uh, adjusted to that. So I'm grateful to be working right now, but yeah. I know many are not. So tell me about the pivot. What, what, what have you changed in order to kind of, I mean, just for you personally to keep busy, but also agency wise, what, what's the change in thinking? So really everyone uh, kind of had to stop. I know I work at a digital ad agency. So the majority of the work at this specific agency is actually building websites as well as SEO, social media marketing, uh, different things like that. And video production is actually one of their newest. So when I went, I joined the team two and a half years ago and was essentially brought along as a social media specialist originally with the intentions of me helping build their production company. And so they wanted to keep it pretty small. They really wanted to find that niche market where they have existing companies that don't necessarily want to pay the high value of a production company cost for 30 second social ads or 15 second social ads, website banner, things like that. And so we tried to hit that audience in between. And so, yeah, so it's kind of thankfully the business has other services that they can fall back on. So honestly, that kind of helped when our production got cut. But we have had a few different shoots and it was me FaceTiming our art director mm -hmm. and me on set um, with one other person helping out. And we have had a couple, but we really had to reschedule quite a bit. But I know as for the St. Louis area, the entire agency, there's an ad club. 
And I think within the third week, they had a meeting about how production's pivoting. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people had to pause, but I think now, like I said, we don't have as many larger scale productions, but a lot of them have really found a way to pivot, whether that's doing remote editing, whether that's doing just like the remote production shoots, but, but yeah. And for you, so you mentioned like being on FaceTime with the art director and stuff. How do you find working like that? You know, (laughs) especially with that particular, my art director is, and I love her input on it. It definitely is difficult. Like there were many times that I just wanted her to be there. And then it's me trying to move around our props. This was just like a flat lay shoot, but it was me trying to move around the props while also showing her, her trying to figure out which one to tell me. And so obviously we were all just like, oh, we like, we just want to be together, but we actually did make it work and we made it within the time constraints and had the deliverables and did it in time. And that was actually the first week of lockdown. And so, yeah, so we made that one work, but it definitely is, it's not ideal. And the collaboration feels a little bit lower, but it's still good to know. I mean, I don't know if productions really dealt with anything like this. And so for me, it was pretty scary right away because I was like, we were client facing, we're team facing. And so I wasn't really sure what we would be able to do for production. So it is really cool to see that most of the production companies around here have really found a way to pivot. Okay. Yeah. I, I definitely challenging. And I think most, most production companies, most people that are doing video are finding that, I mean, they're having conversations like we are right now at zoom and just trying to figure out how do you, everything from trying to, was working with someone recently that we're, we're trying to record Zoom conversations and make them look half presentable. And so wrestling with the lighting is, how do you, it's so hard to explain it. <laughs> and it's, you know, it can be second nature to you. And now you're having to say like, you know, ask the questions like, do you have a bedside lamp that you can bring in? Not with the cool light, with the warm light. And can you put it further yeah. away from your face? And maybe do you have a shelf you can put it on so that the angle isn't, you know, you're not, you're not like completely like looking like a ghost and yeah, it's such a challenge. And I think patience seems to be the one trick that I've found anyway to, to really kind of get you through it is yeah. don't push the, you know, the quote unquote talent too hard <laughs> because they just, you know, they're used to showing up and talking or if they're like a CEO, for example, it's a, can be a challenge to pin them down for a time. And so you need to make the most of it and kind of coaching them through it can be a challenge too. But I'm glad that you've been able to kind of pivot like that it's, and and keep your job. I mean, that's fantastic. These days, it's it's a bit of a scary moment when you see this. Yeah. Kind of and mm-hmm. um, kind of on that, on the agency side, you know, what what kind of work are you doing now? Like, what are you seeing the need for with clients and other businesses in the in the area? Yeah. So like I said, I kind of have a dual role of I do, I'm a production specialist. So any type of photography or videography for both existing or new clients would really be primarily myself, one man banding a lot of it, as well as outsourcing. If we need, like we said, we really are trying to hit that market that doesn't require a large team. And so I do all of that. But then I, my main thing right now that we've kind of shifted towards is more, I'm also a social media specialist. Mm -hmm. And so with that, I am strategizing for a variety of clients. I am writing the copy. I am making the graphics. I am making the videos. 
I am doing all the advertising, the budgeting, and the analytics for that. So like I said, I am thankful that I have that because I have been doing, I typically split 50-50 unless video comes up, then video is priority. Mm -hmm. But right now with that kind of lagging now, social has shifted over. So I have picked up a few clients. But what has been really cool is one of my primary clients is a Pilates studio. Mm-hmm. And it's a new one under a year. And so obviously they're, we're, they were struggling and they had to close down their doors. And there's already so many hurdles that a first year business has to go over. And I'm sure a pandemic is not one that she anticipated. <laughs> and, and so what we were able to do is, one, we were able to create, she thought of a great idea to have a, like, buy her, it's Boom Pilates is the name. And she thought of, a way of buy now, boom later. So she basically created a package that helped people support her and keep her afloat during this time that they could utilize once the studio opened back up. So I helped her create that campaign and we actually had like ROI of over 500% on that. Um, So yeah, so she had a great return on interest on that one. And then alongside that, with her studio being closed, we decided this was the perfect time to start creating virtual videos. So Mm -hmm. her and I had (laughs) COVID safe, a video shoot day where we shot about three to four videos that she, that I just actually finished editing that she is going to offer to her clients. Mm -hmm. And um, so it was actually a great way of utilizing that time. I thought both examples of that, again, we assisted with that, but it also was the business owner that helped and was open to those ideas of really utilizing that time that could have been a complete halt in business to really pivot. And now she has these really cool assets that she's just about to release and she helped get some revenue still in the door while she couldn't have her door open. <laughs> yeah, that's excellent. Wow. Yeah, that's that's a really clever way of, of doing it. I like I like the buy now boom later that just has a nice nice ring to it too. And yeah. With with these videos, is she planning on selling those as a package or as a, is it a subscription type thing? Is she, or is she uh, selling so- access to those? I should ask. So right now, I don't believe that there's any intention for that as right now, she really wants to provide her clients really as a free alternative. There's also a little bit of an ulterior motive of maybe people that are skeptical of going into studios, but have wanted to try. And this is kind of our way of like, here's your treat Mm. of getting a little bit of a taste of what Boom Pilates is like, and then hopes that they then will actually come to the studio after. So it's also for the people that may not have visited the studio before and that have been interested, but not interested enough to walk in the door Mm -hmm. that we're hopefully allowing them to see some of the vibes that goes on there and then incentivizing them to then later actually go to an in-person class. Yeah. But yeah, so not paid yet, but who knows if she wants to do that later. We, I know we're, we're doing a whole second shoot with a bunch of her other instructors so I think eventually she will create a program from it but for now they're just a little treat for her clients yeah that's cool and so is the studio open now or there are they oh uh, they're partially classes? open right now yeah there are certain uh criteria I believe like it's half capacity right now and then they have to be like seven feet away so there's a lot of rules but she is available to be open right now so she does have I think it's primarily private uh classes mm-hmm. but yes and uh, so it sounds like, you know, you work across a lot of different disciplines now and I'm kind of curious and I actually, this is, this is a, an example that I was going to ask you. So you, you hit the nail on the head. You got it way ahead of me. Uh, I was going to ask you about <laughs> fitness, marketing a fitness place. And I was wondering, you know, how do you go about like working with a client like this and crafting a message to tell people like we are open 
we are safe, you know, we care about you, and but we still want to be here. So how do you approach how do you approach that kind of messaging and yeah, you know, so and this is just how my mind works, but I kind of split my mind into organic and paid. So I don't I do kind of obviously still in the same realm because it is still the same brand. But for organic, that's your existing audience. That's people that are already interested in you, people that know you. And so with them, we really, when we talked about it, we kind of teased once she got her official date of when she was able to be open, we teased new things that were put in place. So we did a a bunch of posts about different safety precautions she had about pictures of her new studio set up, teased those videos, and then announced that her studio was open And since then, we've had a couple different campaigns in which we're incentivizing. The first phase, I guess, was private. So we knew that people were going to be hesitant to necessarily go back to group classes, even though her studio is spread out. So privates, I think, are a great opportunity. Again, you still need people in there. That may not be your normal protocol, but that may be the only level of comfort that people are willing to do right now. Yeah. And so we have done that. But so for organic, like I said, that was her existing audience. They know you, they know uh, what it's going to be. I think most people are just excited to be able to have the opportunity to be back. So that was really about just letting people know that she's open. And then from there, that's their choice if they want to come in or not. In terms of paid, I target a variety of avatars. And so, which I guess avatars being different types of consumers within uh, her Mm -hmm. industry. And so For those that were based in, that are like more health oriented, I guess, we're talking about the benefits of coming to a Pilates class versus the benefits of going on a treadmill. So for example, Pilates, you burn calories after you get off running. So it's like, would you rather burn uh, minimal calories on the treadmill or burn during years and then start also after your workout? And so uh, we had a little bit of an incentive on that one. Hers is, again, boom Pilates, so it was a little bit more uh, music-based, so we were, like, tired of uh, your quarantine mix, let's shake it up, and then, <laughs> so that's also yeah. an incentive of the people that are just, I I do think for fitness, at least one thing I've learned is that I actually can do home workouts on my own, and that's not, yeah. I am very much a studio-oriented person, and so th- I'm sure there are many people that are actually okay with that, but I really wanted to target the people that are tired of it and are ready to get back into their normal groove. So we also targeted that, but really I think it's just about informing them and then letting them know the health precautions that you are taking. And then I think a deal doesn't hurt. And then especially towards the Mm. privates, again, it's finding a way to still get people in your door or to still get money going into your business, but working with the times that are currently going on. Yeah. Yeah. And so I I guess taking that a step further, so using with a focus on social uh, or social media, what are what are some of the strategies or tactics that you're using to get those messages out right now that maybe might surprise some people? Hmm. Like I said, I think the importance of different copy and different ads targeting different avatars is a big Mm. thing. Our agency is really big on even for the same campaign, having different creatives and different copy and different ads, and then seeing which ones perform the best and then optimizing those from there. And how do you do that? Like what's, can you go into the details of how do you, how do you pick the ones that are best performing and then what do you do with them? 
Yeah, so like it, it's a little bit of testing and making sure. So you do the same type of creatives, visually graphics or video, and then you do the different versions of copy and you basically see if you can see a pattern. So we'll run it for a couple days or a week and we'll see what pattern. So I label mine, so copy two. So copy mm-hmm. two brought in the most conversion so far or has the lowest cost per click so far or Facebook's quality ranking is above average. So I'll be looking for these patterns and I'll be writing them down and then I'll wait another couple days. And then if these patterns are consistent, then I turn off the ads that maybe aren't necessarily performing as well and I'll increase the ad spend a little bit Mm -hmm. so that Facebook can really optimize on the one that they're already favoring. And yeah, that's kind of the basis of that. Okay. And something else you mentioned before is that like, so as, as the agency goes, you, you have a, a lot of the skills in house and that's really interesting to me because there's kind of two models, right? Where you can have almost like the a la carte of a company can hire someone that just does PPC, another one that just does Facebook marketing, another one that makes the videos. So being an all in one kind of shop, what do you think are, are the advantages of that? And maybe are there any disadvantages that you see? Yeah, I honestly, I think that that is the top advantage of our digital agency. And that's an example that I tell a lot of potential clients is that we, if we have many clients where we are doing the website maintenance, we are doing the SEO, we are doing the social media, we are doing the print work, we are doing the video production. And when you think about it, when you have everyone doing that same thing, when I do a photo shoot for one of my clients, I can tell my developers, hey, like here's some updated assets or talk to our project managers. They can get that approved and your website can be automatically updated without them even needing to reach out, wanting it or anything like that. All those assets can also be used for social media. On the opposite spectrum, I feel like a lot of the times companies will hire a photographer or videographer to do a job and there is pre-production and there is planning to it. But then from there, the assets that are delivered are what they have to work with. It's what the web team has to work with. It's what the social team has to work with. But a huge benefit for us is I actually, before a shoot, I work with my social team and I say, Hey, are there any assets that you think would be really advantageous for you for ads or for your organic Mm -hmm. that you'd also like me to have? And I can ensure that, social is also thought of in the photography versus photography just being handed over. And so then that's how we can formulate campaigns without even having our creative set. And so I think that's a really big advantage. Yeah. That sounds like a strategically you're way ahead of a lot of other teams that might be just pieced together because I, it's just very cohesive. Yeah. That's exactly what I was going to say is that you, you lack this sort of team effort almost like everyone has the right intent, but, yeah so many times i've in the past i've seen like building a website and all of a sudden this video comes out of left field and it's like <laughs> what is this about yeah. you know and, and we yeah, want it on the home page maybe... and you go wait a minute like none of this jives and all of a sudden but you're stuck with it so having you know yourself talking to different teams and coming up with well really it's it's the strategy before the tactics right so you can kind of set everything in place as you need it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And I didn't, I myself didn't really realize the benefit of that and how kind of backwards it is until I, I worked here and was like, Oh, that makes so much more sense. Of course there are pros and cons too. I mean, that also um, prolongs the strategy side as well, because we are all working together to not only just get the website 
as best as we can, but we're also utilizing that to strategize for the social media campaigns mm -hmm. and for the photo shoot. And so there is a little bit more on the pre-production and strategy side. Whereas if they want a photo shoot can be happening with a freelancer on the side and their social team can be doing that. So there's, there are some cons to that as well, but I definitely think that I like this side of thinking as well. <laughs> and so th that's, that's an interesting point. So if you're, if you're having a sales conversation with someone and that's the question. Like you can either go, it's kind of like we can either go really fast by farming out all the different pieces and everyone's off doing their own thing at the same time. So it's like concurrent or how do you address that as an objection to a sale to say, you know, we're, we might be a little bit, I don't want to say slower, but more deliberate maybe. So it may take a bit longer. What's your rebuttal to that and how do you address that? Yeah. So, I will say that some stuff is going on at the same time. So the same time that a wireframe is being built for a website, I can also be out on a photo shoot. And uh, for example, the, the last one I flew to Ohio to get uh, photos and do a couple videos for a client. And um, I was doing that alongside the initial steps of the website being built. Mm -hmm. So some of it can go hand in hand, but I think a lot of it is just saying it up front and we're really good with our timeline. Our project managers kind of have the website build on lock. And so they can really estimate out how long it's going to be and they communicate that with the client. Yeah. And so from there, it's how long it goes into strategy, then goes from strategy, then it goes into design, then design into dev. And then somewhere in that mix, I'm doing the production <laughs> and talking with each one of those guys to see what best fits the design, what best fits the development, what showcases the different elements of a business that strategy wants us to hit. But yeah, I think that the key part is really just communicating it. And like I said, it's not really that, it's not really much lengthier in time. But yeah, things are kind of going one at a time in phases yeah. versus everything at once. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I, and I didn't mean to suggest that there is. It's just like oh, having, no. having that sales conversation with someone when they say like maybe they come in and say, we have, this is our deadline. And you may not be able to hit that deadline because you're a bit more deliberate. I'm not saying that your agency is slow. <laughs> it's just a hypothetical oh, no. that, you know, like how do you kind of address the value that, having the whole team work together brings to exactly someone. and that it really is just the the communication of that and but i will say even amongst that a lot of the times if a client says we need it by x day we will get yeah. it by x day so <laughs> sometimes the strategy is different yes yeah <laughs> kind of continuing on that like so working with not necessarily the website but so say so you've got seo you've got paid ads you've got organic social, you got paid social. How do you work with the people that are responsible for that? Like, so let's take SEO. Like what kind of, what kind of conversations are you having in particular around video to support the SEO strategy? Oh, that's a good question. I don't know if we've really had too many clients that have double dipped on both of those services. I would say I do know for social, it definitely helps because we'll work with the SEO strategists of their keywords and different pieces of content or blogs that will help them with ranking. So for social, we definitely work together, but I haven't really had too many video projects that coincide with our SEO. Okay. And 
just so on the social side of things like so you've got to break out the organic and the paid is there a different conversation that happens for those Yes, I, I honestly, like I said, I view them as very different beasts when I initially, so we kind of work by a month by month basis. And so right now I would be creating August content. I've already had it outlined the month before, but I will be creating it right now um, alongside the ad. So for example, one of my clients right now, I talk to the client and discuss promotions and discuss opportunities that they have for their business. So from there, uh, we'll create and strategize a couple campaigns paid that are all primarily focused on conversions. We also do some engagement, traffic, things like that, but we're primarily focused on conversions for the clients that have products that we are able to track like that. And so we'll set up the strategy for advertising. And then, like I said, kind of earlier, we'll create different varieties of copy and graphics and testing and get those running under our client's budget. And then for organic, I really, my main priority for that is visuals and branding. And so if it's a fun, vibrant brand, I want different pieces of content that are relatable to their audience that showcase the services and branding of that business, showcase photography of it too. I think that to me, it's very important to have a combination of graphics and photography on there. And for certain clients, especially particularly for Instagram, we will showcase different services or promotional offers. But for some of mine that are like, again, for like a Pilates studio, I try to keep most of the promotions on like an Instagram story or in paid advertising and really keep the organic just about the clients and about fun and about the branding. Mm -hmm. Okay. And with the stories, what are you finding works in stories? I know that's a, it can be a hard question, but maybe a very broad one too. But what's what seems to be working and engage, getting people to engage with videos and stories? Yeah, I'm actually fascinated with Instagram stories. I think that there's a lot of potential. Like every every week, my or every other week, my team and I have an innovation meeting to kind of talk about new updates. And it always seems like stories are the one thing that always keep having new little capabilities on them. Um, I will say, I think stories are a great way to one, showcase what's truly going on behind the scenes. It may not be pretty, we have an architect firm, and it may not be pretty to put construction sites on their feed when they have beautiful homes that we put on their feed. But the stories allow us to kind of get a little inside look and get more of those raw, real, in the moment types of situations that are still necessary for viewers to see, but a feed of stunning beautiful homes is definitely going to attract them more because that's what they want they're seeing the benefit of it they don't necessarily care or maybe they care about it but they're not enticed by the process they're enticed by the final result yeah and so i think that stories for any type of business allow a nice inside look inside your world without necessarily having to promote that on your permanent feeds Alongside that, like I said, that's where I really post promotional offers too. If a client has a promotion running, I'm not afraid to post if they're over 10K and they can have the swipe up link. I will post it like every morning, just reminding people of it, just getting in their faces. Um, Our ads are hopefully doing that on the back end, but that's just another way. And again, that's reaching an existing audience of people that are interested. So if they see that, 
maybe they hadn't seen it before and you just sparked their interest. If not, if they're continuously seeing it, at least, you know, that's a bit more top of mind for them and they could potentially convert that way as well. So if you're, if you're posting every day, so there's, there's seems to be, well, there's several schools of thought on this, but a lot of people seem very trigger shy. Like I don't want to post the same thing again and again. I don't want to be perceived like I'm trying to beat people over the head with my message here. But so you're saying using stories, you can do it every day. Like what's the, why aren't you scared off by that? And why shouldn't people be worried about it? It's a little bit more subtle of a way of continuously poking at your consumers. <laughs> uh, for stories, I actually, like I said, my social team and I were talking about it and I was like, actually, I'm interested in this. How many of you guys look at the story first, then your feed, or how many of you guys look at your feed, then the story, or if any? Because personally, the first thing I do now is look at the stories. I go through the majority of my stories and then maybe I'll go on my feed. Like I've completely converted, whereas one of my other team members is like, I barely look at the stories. I'll maybe look at two, but I primarily look at the feed. And so I do think stories somehow are a way where it's not as abrasive in your face, but I will say I do mix it up. So like I said, I, for promotions, I am creating probably about five to six different visuals for that same promotion. And so when I am posting that on the story, I do mix it up with the visuals as well as how I format it. So I'm not doing the exact same graphic every single day. It's the same promotion, but I strategize different ways to visualize that and lay out the text and the benefits of it. So like I said, for example, for a, a Pilates one, you can talk about if you're doing a promotion and you're really trying to target your health conscious or the, the health benefit types of person, Every day when you're selling this promotion, you could post one benefit that Pilates has on the body that's unique to that. And so then they're still getting somewhat new information on there and seeing different visuals, but it's still for the same promotion. Yeah. So I am cognizant of that, of trying not to just do the same thing every day because you don't want people to start falling off of your stories either. Yeah. Um, But I do think you can, that is the one place, at least for now, that you can kind of push the boundaries and post as many stories as you want in a day as well. Yeah. I think a lot of businesses tend to kind of pull back. Like we're that there, there has, there's been this feeling that, you know, we're over communicating, we're over communicating. And so the response to that has been to communicate less and less and less. And that includes just from what I've seen anyway, less social posting, less emails going out, not worrying about doing stories and getting at people there. But I, I don't know that that seems to have flipped on its head a little bit recently, at least in my experience that people need to be a little bit less shy about putting their message out a probably because most people don't see it in the first place because that's social and it's just, it moves fast, but B there seems to be a bit more of an appetite for it. If you do it, like you just said, where you're not, it's not just the same image with the same message every single day sort of well and and i heard this i heard this quote that's like people's attention span hasn't decreased their quality their like level of quality or their desire for better quality has just increased so Mm. like their tolerance for that so they're still there they're still willing to pay attention but their tolerance of poor quality has just decreased so now they have higher expectations yeah that's a really different way of looking at it Hmm. 
yeah and so but i i do agree there is definitely a limit and particularly for organic i myself have kind of pulled back on some of my clients posts just because getting too salesy especially in general at all times but particularly right now it can be deemed insensitive and yeah. so you definitely want to be cognizant of the environment around you so i myself have pulled back on some organic but again, I think stories is the one area where you can still be showcasing yourself and it somehow be in a benefit because most of the time stories are authentic. Yeah. I think that's the twist on, on the stories versus sort of the regular posts. People don't necessarily think that you're just trying to sell them on something the entire time. Yeah. And so continuing on stories, I noticed LinkedIn has started to incorporate stories. Have you used those at all? we actually just talked about those, but we haven't used them yet. When new things come out, like I said, I definitely want to know about them. It's our job for our clients to know about those things, but I am a little bit skeptical in telling our clients that they can benefit from the service until we've really tested it out ourselves. Yeah. And so we haven't really tested it out on our accounts right now, like our in-house accounts. And so once we do, we can see that, but I can't imagine it not being beneficial to me. To me, the only thing though, is if every, I don't look at my Facebook stories though. I may look at Instagram stories right away, but I don't look at Facebook stories at all. So personally, I don't think I'm really going to look at LinkedIn stories unless they have different valuable pieces of com content on them. So yeah. that could be a strategy for someone whose audience, personally, my boss has uh, a really good following on his personal account just for being a CEO. Mm -hmm. Um, sharing marketing tips and his perspective. So maybe if we did one type of campaign where that content was only featured on that story, it would mm -hmm. be beneficial. Yeah. But no, we haven't tried that out yet, but I did see that. Yeah, I, so far it's been, you can tell people are experimenting, but it seems to be they're posting there as well as. as and a that's the thing, if you're just posting <laughs> the same content, we already see everything in five different Yes. Social <laughs> platforms. We don't need another, yeah. but you never know. I didn't, I was very skeptical of Instagram stories when they first came out. And like yeah. I said, now I look at them over the feed. Yeah. That's really, that's really interesting. I like, I like the approach too. And I, I appreciate that you, know, you said it's your job to kind of know what's coming. And as, as someone in marketing, it is always kind of, yeah, it's our responsibility to know what the channels are. So how do you go about assessing that? Like, so LinkedIn's just come out with stories. What What's the game plan for you to figure out whether or not it's worth pursuing yeah. your, your clients? So like I said, I allocate a couple hours every week into researching different things and testing them out. But my, my team as well will all come together. And then really in those meetings, every time someone presents one, we're at enough where we all we all know our clients, obviously, but then we also at least know a good portion. We kind of share and do different. So like I said, I do a lot of the video or motion graphics for other people's clients as well. So we all kind of know each other's clients. So if some type of new feature comes out, I, at least for myself, I'm going through our client list and being like, which client could benefit from this? So I'm, if it's specifically for conversions, I'll knock out most of the clients that just have us for engagement or traffic and I'll be like, okay, which one could benefit from an Instagram store or yeah. things like that. And so, yeah, the first thing is really just thinking which of my clients could benefit from this. And then from there, it's really just researching it, 
seeing if there are any other people that have and then testing it out, like I said, on our in-house ones to see how our data goes and to see if then it's worth it to present to our clients. Because although it's our job to know about all the new ones, it's not necessarily advantageous for us to go tell our clients about every new thing. Yeah. I kind of like to vet them out before encouraging them to also start using it as well. There's a danger in that, isn't there? <laughs> the, the shiny object syndrome where something new comes out and we have to do it or else yeah. we'll be left like behind. Yeah. When people were considering getting Snapchats for their business, and I was like, I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But for some, there's an audience. Mm. Uh, so I guess I have to ask now. So Snapchat or some of the sort of the, the, the outlier ones right now. So Snapchat, TikTok, what are your thoughts on those if you're a business owner? As a business owner, okay. Because honestly, as a video production, I, for TikTok, just as someone in the business, I'm like, finally people appreciating transitions. <laughs> that was like the first thing in my head when I saw all these people because it's focused on like the primary thing is of course music, but then really is transitions. And I see all these comments about it and I'm like, okay, here we go. We got some appreciation for them. As a business owner, I think it, it really depends on your audience. That needs to be your first and foremost thought. You're never too good for anything. If your audience is on it, it's worth considering. And so I've seen like popular luggage brands or popular hair care brands, uh, clothing brands, really diving into that, having influencers on there and, and their audience is there and they're getting hits. And so I commend them for getting on that and finding a way to monetize on there. But for many, especially particularly like my clients, like I just think about my clients right now and uh, their manufacturing or auto body centers. And I can't imagine them really benefiting from that. Yeah. If they were interested in learning about it, I would be happy to experiment to them. But I do think that you really need to think of your industry and think of your audience. Yeah, totally. And the reason I ask TikTok in particular, I've, I, this started about a year ago, I noticed that the local meetups started popping up and it was learn about TikTok. And the presenter was always, for whatever reason, an older guy, like 50s, 60s. There's nothing wrong with being in your 50s and 60s, but I just feel like that's not the right person to be learning TikTok from. And like, who is he? I don't know. It, it always just felt very wrong. Like, everybody should be on TikTok. Look at me. You know, <laughs> you think, wait a minute. Like, I can't. I mean, I am fascinated by it the type of content that's on there, like I'll go from getting like something like actually educational from a legitimate doctor to like teens mm -hmm. dancing. So I'm fascinated by the variety of content that's on there. So I do think that there's a place for a lot of businesses on there. I think you just have to consider that before hopping on. Yeah. Yeah. Too true. Changing gears a little bit. Something you mentioned in uh, the, the pre-interview was a gift of storytelling. And I personally, love storytelling. Like, I think it's probably at the heart of everything that we as marketers do, business owners need to do more of it. So I'm, I'm really interested to hear your take on it. And so for you, why is storytelling important? Yeah. So, so like I said, I honestly, I hate that. I hate using that word now, but it has recently gotten to a point where it's so overused and it's like the first word people are like, I'm a storyteller. I'm a storyteller. Yeah. Um, so as overused and cliche as it may be, there's always some truth um, in that. And 
I, I do. I love storytelling. And that's honestly what drew me into video production. When I first started, I went into school as a media studies and marketing double major. And the media studies I really went into just because they didn't have a traditional journalism major. And my first project was really just for us to start learning Premiere, the editing software. And it was to create a minute video and it had to have like X amount of effects or cuts, different things like that, but tell a story. And I did mine over Coldplay. It was the first band that I'd ever seen, uh, my favorite band. And so I did a compilation of different fan videos I found online with one of their songs underlying it. And it was awful. So, (laughs) but But at the end of it, at the end of the class, my professor, who's the head of the media studies department, pulled me aside. And somehow in that shitty little video, he was like, you really told that story. And I felt what you were trying to get me to feel. And that's when he pulled me in to the world of, I did uh, the television and I was an associate producer and then an executive producer for my last two years. And that's when I was just like fully invested into media and so that kind of sparked this passion that I didn't even know that I had but that's where I think it's so valuable because that is the primary objective and to me the true test of fail versus success is if you were able to tell a story Um, like I said in my pre-interview I'm not the best videographer I'm not the best editor I don't have the best equipment but I can understand my clients and understand the objective that they're trying to achieve for it and come up with some type of creative concept to then make sure that everything is captured or every step of production has purpose and intent in them. So there's purpose when I'm shooting, there's purpose when I'm editing to uniquely represent these clients. And yeah, and in the end, I just believe that it's allowing people to feel kind of how I want them to feel. Hmm. Yeah. So While you, also allowing them to be open for interpretation. Okay. And so if, if someone, if someone were to, to say, pull their phone out of their back pocket and want to shoot a video for their, for their own little business, what should they be thinking about? Like, so storytelling doesn't come naturally to everybody. And so wh- where would you suggest someone starts and well, maybe just take us through your process. How do you go from say idea to, story that builds that connection yeah i like like i said i think it starts with purpose i think my first question at least right now when you asked me that question was why like why are you making the video why what is the outcome that you want to be achieved if you want it to be a promotional video if you want it to introduce your team different things like that like what is the objective of it and then from there utilizing your brand to then start defining the narrative. Is your brand known for being edgy? Is it known for being goofy? Is it known for pushing boundaries? Is it known for being top quality? So really hitting the the representation that people view your business and then trying to start to create from there. Do you use yeah, any, so I, any frameworks or anything like that? Like do you, or is it more of a natural feel for you that you can kind of craft these stories? I feel like it kind of depends. I, at least in my mind, I break it down into video types. So if it's like a brand video, I typically like to start by introducing the company, introducing the team. I'm not really sure how to. 
it's a tricky one. I mean, being creative isn't always <laughs> formulaic. So I know there's, you know, like story-wise, you have frameworks like the hero's journey and that sort of thing where, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, you know, we could go watch Star Wars and see it in action, but uh-huh. not every it, video yeah. needs a hero. So yeah, it's, I'm just kind of curious how, how you, how you approach it. So, I mean, starting with the end in mind, which is maybe different from saying doing, doing like a movie where, or if you're writing a book, you, you, the book may take you wherever it takes you, but if you're doing a video for a business, there should always be an end in mind, right? Yeah, I guess right now I just finished storyboarding just like a short video for our internal team. And right now I'm having it, just the framework of it is first like environmental shots. And then it will begin and end with the same actor on screen kind of narrating along the way. And then it will end with him on screen as well. But yeah, I don't know if I honestly really have a formula to, to how I really just look at the purpose of it. And then I kind of determine the level of creativity I'm allowed to do. So for marketing, a lot of it is necessarily like brand videos or just pretty straightforward internal team videos. And so those kind of have their own framework already built in mind. But when it comes to creative ones, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I'm not answering this one very well. No, that's all right. It's not a, not an easy question. I think it's, yeah, it's a challenge for that. I think whenever you sit down to do anything kind of creative, what is, (laughs) how do you, how do you get to the end that you're happy with? Yeah, I will say I get a lot of inspiration just from watching people. Like a lot of people are like, you have really creative, unique ideas. But a lot of it comes from me seeing a video on Vimeo I like or getting an ad that I targeted and figuring out the element that I liked from there and then utilizing it and adapting it to my existing piece. So I almost feel like I'm cheating, but it's like you're just you're determining the element that you liked and then utilizing that for your brand. So it's like, thank you, but I was actually inspired by something that triggered myself. A great artist's steal, right? That's the, uh, the, quote, <laughs> the quote by someone. Um, no, I, 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 I was, that was the next question is, is like, so where do you look for inspiration and, and what's your approach to that? Like how, oh, do you, how do you keep your radar on for new ideas or new ways or how do you kind of come up with? I will say, So uh, again, I kind of look at it in two different realms. I look at it as inspiration for social media and then inspiration for video. Um, And for social media, I honestly look at what is being served to me and what stops my scroll and what causes me to convert. Like there was one time where I got hit with some type of clothing thing and I purchased something on a carousel ad before I even realized what I was doing. And I was like, wow. (laughs) I was like, and then I went and I backtracked and I was like, what are they doing that got me like that because wow that was a very direct conversion and so for social media it's really I'm looking at what caused me to convert but I'm also looking at the visuals I've noticed so many companies right now doing 10 to 15 second videos Mm -hmm. and the editing is is I think the primary they're doing a mixture of photography motion graphics and video into these quick cool choppy 15 second videos and I love them I love how it's just a play on motion graphics and editing So yeah, so for social media, I'm really just looking at what causes me to stop and convert. Mm -hmm. Uh, But then for video, I'm just 
consuming, like always consuming. I'm down the rabbit hole of YouTube or Vimeo. And then I myself have a doc where I save out links. If anything stops, I'll pull out my phone and I will copy and paste the link of that. So I have an ongoing inspiration list that I'm always keeping. And then of course, just saving anything on Instagram that I like. But yeah, and then when I do have a project that kind of goes into the storytelling, when I do have a project, I will kind of go through that to start brainstorming what I want to do. And if I see one of the things that I saved in the past that sparks an interest or that can be applied to the current project, then that kind of is the seed that gets me to then start conceptualizing. So I actually go to my little inspiration bank before every project and see what I can use or what that makes me think of. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's really clever. I, I admire the mindfulness that you have to be able to stop yourself and ask that question because I think most of the time I don't, <laughs> unless I go deliberately to Instagram to look for ideas. I tend to not. Oh, even in, and when we watch movies, my boyfriend will make fun of me because I need to watch them twice. I need to watch them one <laughs> for the technical and then I watch it twice as the viewer. <laughs> yeah, it's almost a curse, isn't it? Where <laughs> it's like if you're a chef and you go to another restaurant, you're going to be critiquing everything that comes out of the kitchen. And so, do you enjoy mm-hmm. yourself? <laughs> Maybe, probably, <laughs> probably twice as much. I think that'd be my argument. Yeah, you, know, you get. I think you, you appreciate it. it. You can appreciate it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, the last thing I want to cover that you also mentioned pre-interview was uh, just imposter syndrome, and so I'm I'm curious to learn. I mean, look, you obviously know what you're talking about. You know what you're doing. So do you still feel like you don't belong doing what you're doing sometimes? Is that something that you struggle with? Oh, my gosh. Every day. Even being on this podcast, I'm like, me? You want me? (laughs) No, imposter syndrome is real. And I think so many people suffer from it. And I honestly didn't even know that it was a thing until maybe a couple of years ago and didn't even realize other people felt that same way. To be honest, I had one experience in my life that really helped me. I was fresh out of college and I was working at an agency that I had been interning at when I was still in college and they offered me full time after. And so I continued working there, but I knew I didn't want to stay there. I just felt like I was made for something more um, and I really wanted to pursue that, but I also had a good job where I was at. So I worked there for about six months and then realized that I needed to spread my wings. (laughs) So I applied for the NBC page program, which I don't know if you're familiar with that. Oh, go Um, ahead. Tell us about it because I I know, but I'm sure a lot of people. Yeah. So NBC and Universal Studios are merged and basically twice a year, they allow about 40, 30 to 40 people total Mm -hmm. into their program. And you essentially have three different rotations within a year. So you'll work at different areas of NBC or Universal Studios. So like you could work on, if you get in the New York placement, you could work at The Tonight Show, you could work at NBC News, you could work at somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And the point of that is to really get your experience in the production world. And then hopefully they have really high rate of internal hire from there. However, the the rates to get in are actually statistically harder than Harvard. And so people apply for it but there's not necessarily a good chance of getting in. And so I was like, you know what, I'm gonna apply for this. And so I applied for that. And there's like four phases to the interview process and it takes about four or five months to do so. 
And so while that was happening, I was also talking to my friend who lived here in St. Louis and I lived in Iowa at this time. And she had um, an internship opportunity at where I'm at right now. And I was like, I've done four internships. I don't really want to do another, especially when I have a full-time job, but I am not too proud to do that if that's where I want to be and it's a good company. So I had an interview with where I'm at right now. And they were like, you know what, after like 30 minutes of talking, you're definitely too qualified to be at, at as an intern, but we weren't planning on hiring a full-time. However, we think that you're worth that. So they awesome. actually created a full-time spot for me. And while this was going on, I was passing the first round of NBCs. And then I did a video interview and passed the second round. And then I got offered to fly to New York and I went to Rockefeller Center and did like a whole day of interviews. And um, then I had another video screening. And so each time I was like, I am not going to make this like each time. And when I flew to New York, I was like, I don't even care if I get this. I just need to not flake on myself in front of people. Like I don't want to choke. I want to be able to say that I authentically showed them who I was and the potential I had. And if I leave here knowing that I did that and didn't cheat myself out of an opportunity just because I felt like I didn't belong, Hmm. then that's a win for me. And so I was able to do that. I surprised myself and was able to present in front of a board of people and lead a group project and do a bunch of things where I was able to leave that project. Sorry. I was able to leave there. Um, feeling really excited and I was like I don't think I got it only like one person out of the seven that interview in your time get it and so I left there and I ended up accepting the job here and getting a call that I had gotten into the page program (laughs) and (laughs) so I realized in that moment that me a girl from Iowa Des Moines Iowa that didn't go to a prestigious school that didn't have prestigious internships was still able to be selected at Mm. something like that and that was kind of the biggest thing that made me be like you can hang Peyton (laughs) like (laughs) you that's awesome you have worked for what you've done you are knowledgeable and people see that and so I did end up weirdly not choosing that it just came down to knowing believing finally believing that I could get to my end goal However, I wanted it just depended on the path. And I yeah. kind of chose this one to for a variety of reasons to be closer to family, um, to have a bit more hands on. But yeah, it was that opportunity that really showed me that imposter syndrome can just be crippling and can really take you out of opportunities that you are you have a chance for, you know, like yeah. it but yeah, so it's real and I still struggle with it all the time. And I think that's especially prevalent for people that want to still learn. So I, I never want to stop learning. So I'm never going to view myself as an expert of all experts because mm. I don't, I don't want to be, I want to always keep learning and growing. And so I think as positive as that can be, it's also a bit detrimental because you then don't feel like you know everything because you're aware that there's more to learn. Um, <laughs> but that's how, that's how you grow though, isn't it? Where you kind of push yourself out of the comfort zone bit by bit. Absolutely. So I think the key is just acknowledging it, like acknowledging that you feel this way, but then also acknowledging the 
the steps that have led you here and the education you've gone through and the experience that you've had. And even if you take on a project, I took on a video project this spring. I said, yes, that I wasn't even sure if I could do. And I was like, well, I said, yes. So I'm going to make it happen. Even if I can't currently with the tools I have, I'm going to get the tools. I'm going to learn what I need to do to deliver because not delivering is just not an option. And from there, I was able to exceed this client's a, a pretty difficult client with no changes, like no revisions to two video spots that I expected them to. And so each time I have those feelings, I end up impressing myself. But yeah, it it's a struggle. I think everyone deals with it. And so just to just to wrap that up, what do you have any sort of like practical advice for someone that's kind of maybe recognizes that they they feel like they don't belong. Yeah. How do you, what would you tell someone, you know, in the moment, how do you sort of pull yourself up and talk yourself into keep, you know, into keeping moving forward? Well, my first thought is I'd say one, have some hype friends, have some friends <laughs> that know you and love you and are there to show you your worth when you don't see it yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a very key thing. And then I think also is kind of like I said, acknowledge that it's there. Acknowledge that Mm -hmm. you're feeling this and you don't know if you can deliver, but then try to simultaneously acknowledge your skills. And then from there, as reasonably as you can, see if what you're feeling is imposter syndrome or just, I don't think I'm there yet. And so I think with trying to acknowledge both of those, you can then come to that conclusion. But really, honestly, my biggest way of coping for it, which is maybe not the greatest, is that even if I am concerned about achieving something, I'm like, well, if I commit to it, I'm going to make that happen. Whether it's reaching out to other professionals for assistance, learning a new skill, renting equipment and learning that equipment. If I said yes and I committed, I'm going to get the job done. And so that's kind of what's helped me. But. Uh, it's, it's look, it's helpful to share. I think, you know, as we talked about, everyone, I think wrestles with this at some point. So it's, it's good advice. Peyton. Yeah. I, and Oh, another thing, sorry, would be no, um, sorry. keeping a portfolio of your work. One, you, you should just have that for <laughs> hiring and freelancing, yeah. but also when you create those types of reels and different portfolios, I think it forces you to acknowledge what you've done. I remember the first time I did for my photography and saw all the different projects and the different industries I had done. I was like, wow, I really have done a lot, haven't I? And my boyfriend was like, you've been a photographer for three years and doing X amount of shoots. Like, of course. And I was like, I just didn't realize it until I saw it right in front of me. So that's another actual probably tangible (laughs) tip is to create that because one, you should just have it. But then two, I think it forces you to see your portfolio of work and how much you've done. Yeah. So let, let it stand for itself, right? <laughs> Just yeah. recognize that, yeah, I have done this. I've done this before or something. Like Other that. people see it, but it's also yeah. important for you to see it. Yeah. Well, I, lo- I love the idea of having, you know, that team of friends around you that can kind of prop you up when you need it. That's a really, that's been important for me. I know I've, I've turned to that a few times where, you know, just staring down the, face of a project that I don't feel like I have any business being involved in and good, good friends will give you a little bit of a shove, even when you don't think you want it. So it's Absolutely. I think that's really, really cool advice. Uh, listen, there's 
a lot of other questions that I would love to ask you, but I've kept you for over an hour now. So I do want to say thank you for, for sharing all of that. And the I'll ask the typical podcast thing here is where should I send viewers or not viewers, uh, listeners to find out more about you? I know you do freelancing as well, which we really didn't talk about. I apologize. Uh, no worries. Where would you like people to go and, and have a look at your work? Uh, yeah, they can feel free to follow me at Peyton Riley Creative. And then my website is also just PeytonVanVoors.com, the way that it sounds. But yeah, those would probably be the two main places. Peyton, thank you so much for joining me today. And thank you so much for sharing such great insights. Dear listener, if you got a lot out of that, please go find Peyton at the places that she mentioned and send her some love. I think she shared some insightful ways of going about using social media and how to think about the content that we're all producing. So thank you again, Peyton. I also want to say thank you to Dresden the Flamingo for the music on this track and Sam Barsh here for the closing and the outro music. Dear listener, if you have any questions about the podcast or the service or anything like that, please go to dearvideo.com and you're always welcome to send me an email. The email is deadcat, that's right, deadcat at dearvideo.com. And if you don't know what a dead cat is, by all means, email me and ask. I'd be more than happy to send you a video reply back and let you know exactly what it is. I hope everyone's having a great day wherever you are in the world. And until next time, go make some awesome video. See ya. Thank you.